Hi, welcome to the Happiness Hive podcast. I'm Catherine Bowyer and I am completely fascinated by people and what motivates them. I've spent the past three and a half decades specialising in mindset and human behaviour and I've helped thousands of people to create happy and amazing lives. And now I am super excited to be chatting with women from around the world who I have secret and to be honest, not so secret crushes on. They're women who inspire me. I'm intrigued as to how they do life and what makes them tick. I want to find out their magic formula that makes them who they are. And at the end of the episode, I'd love for you to say, I'd like a little bit of what she's having. The conversations are real and raw. They're full of passion, inspiration and lots of fun. And nothing is off limits. So grab yourself a cuppa or pop on your trackie and go for a walk and join us for today's chat. There may just be that pearl of wisdom you need to hear. So let's shimmy on over and get started. Get ready for an action-packed episode with today's guest, Beck McFarlane. I've known Beck for quite a few years and I'm always in awe of how Beck approaches life and and her business as well. So Beck is the founder and CEO of Pop Your Business and Pop Your Career, and she's the host of a conference, the Pop Your Business conference that we're definitely going to talk about. She's a self-confessed nerd at heart and thoroughly geeks out on all the behind-the-scenes business stuff that most people, including me, <laughs> find to be a major irritation. And I've completed a couple of Beck's programs and also done coaching with her to help me deal with all those things that cause irritation. And let me tell you, she is just amazing and helps make life so much easier for certainly me in business. But Beck isn't just about business. There are so many strings to her bow that I'm super excited to find out about today. So welcome, Beck. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thanks so much for having me. It's good to be on this side. Normally, yeah. this time each week, you're coaching me, and now I get to ask you all the questions. So what we'll do just to start off with, just so the listeners get a sense of who you are, what stage of life are you at? Tell us just a snapshot, and then we'll go back and find out about how you got to this stage in life. Yeah, sure. I'm at quite an interesting stage of life. So I'm 39. And in January of 2024, I'm turning the big 4-0. And it's not something that I'm super excited about. I think I've always had a really interesting relationship with the concept of ageing and, you know, where I'm sort of at in my life's journey. I think when I was younger, I often got a little bit paranoid about the fact that, you know, like I'm young, I don't have, you know, as much experience. Why would people listen to me and that kind of thing? And, you know, over the last probably 10 years, I've really gotten over that and gone, no, I know who I am. I know what I'm talking about and that's all good. But I feel like I'm about to sort of step into this next stage and it's a little bit unknown. Oh my gosh. I love that. I'm a number of laps around the sun ahead of you. And I remember that same time coming into my 40s, I like even numbered years, like Mm -hmm. numbers. So odd number years, I don't feel as good for whatever weird reason. So I was actually really looking forward to 40 because that was an even numbered year. But I was also very trepidatious about, oh, what does that actually mean? Because 40, it sort of was like, oh, my God, it felt old. 
Yeah. And it's kind of weird because, you know, I consider myself to be quite young at heart. You know, I've yeah, got the yeah, colourful yeah. hair and yeah, I always, yeah. you know, wear rad clothes and things like that. And, you know, I love my daggy jokes and all of that kind of thing. But it was really sort of in the last couple of years. So my husband is about four years older than me and as he has hit those birthdays it's kind of left me with this feeling of like god how did I end up with such an old man (laughs) you know it's kind of like and then I have to snap myself back into it and go honey you aren't 20 anymore (laughs) (laughs) and then hearing yourself say those things it's interesting do you know what I 44 was my it's my superpower number yeah so I'm 57 now but I, in my mind's eye, I'm forever 44. That's yeah. when I really, I think I came into my, oh, into my peak. I think I'm continually coming into my peak. Yeah. That felt 44 feels really good. So interesting, isn't it? Those milestone birthdays. Yeah, and just the way that we react to it, because I think it's funny that you said, like, you feel more comfortable with the even numbers, because I remember when I turned 30, I was sort of prepared to feel not great, and I was okay, but I'm telling you, my 31st birthday, I stayed in bed and cried all day. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're into that new decade. Yeah. Um, like, I reckon- what's happening? Yeah, I reckon life's a bit like a bottle of wine, though, that it gets better with age. And for me, really, age is just a number. I don't feel my chronological age. Mm. I don't, I don't, you know, age is a, it's a funny concept, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. Where did you grow up? So you live in Canberra. So we both live in Canberra. Have you always lived here? So I was born in Canberra and my dad was in the Air Force. So when I was one or two, he got transferred to Williamtown in Newcastle. And so I lived there in Raymond Terrace for about eight or nine years, which was really great. You know, like I had a wonderful childhood. My parents are both amazing people and Mm. really, really supportive. I've got a younger sister who's four years younger than me. And, you know, really, really enjoyed growing up there. I had, I guess, an interesting, maybe a a little bit of a different childhood in a way. Um, When I was in first or second grade, my parents were notified that I was gifted and talented, which I've just put into into inverted commas. And at the time, what that meant for me was that I was moved out of like the standard classroom and placed in like the special kids class, right? The gifted and talented program. And it was really, really cool in a way because we had kids of all different age groups. You know, at one stage we had like, you know, children from grades three to six all in the one class. And a lot of the learning that we did was really different. So it wasn't just like normal curriculum or just textbook work and things. We would work on really exciting and creative projects. And, you know, if we were feeling stifled in the classroom, we could say to the teacher, you know, I want to take my maths book out into the playground and sit on the play equipment and do my maths. And the teachers are like, yeah, cool, no worries. I had really found around that sort of, I think it was sort of grade five, that I really thought that I wanted to be a teacher. And they gave me the flexibility to actually go and spend some time in a kindergarten classroom. Mm -hmm. And I actually planned out a lesson and the teachers went out for coffee (laughs) 
and well, left me in the in charge of two separate classes. And I just remember, you know, like having so much fun with that and then having the freedom to, you know, go and get involved. Like I remember I painted the kindergarten classes dollhouse and that was like one of my school projects. I'd just toddle off from my class and go over there and hang out and I did that for a few weeks and, you know, so it was a really interesting educational journey. I think that, you know, for me it was really positive and, Mm. you know, I mean, it, it makes sense now in like my older years as, you know, I've since been diagnosed with ADHD, but you know, looking back on that, I see so many really amazing positives about the way that I was taught and a way that I was given that freedom to learn. But I also see the downsides of, you know, what occurred during that time and, you know, being taken away from standard education and put into this separate classroom we were almost taught that we were, you know, in a league of our own. Like, I think there was a little bit of elitist kind of stuff going on. And so when my dad got transferred in the Air Force back to Canberra for me to go to year six, I was like completely a fish out of water. Was that a shock? Was that a big shock? Because a different system. It was probably like the worst thing that happened in my childhood. So I'd left that environment where I was very safe and secure and I'd been taught that it was okay to be myself and to express myself in the way that felt really good to me. And then I went back into, you know, what you would class as like that more standard or traditional education. And of course, at a time for year six, when kids have already got all their friendship groups and, you know, really being an outsider and, you know, I'm quite introverted. So in year six, I wanted to spend my lunchtimes reading books and I would go to the library and just look for the thickest novel that I could find because I just wanted something that I was going to be able to sink my teeth into and really spend some time. But that really led to the beginning of my journey with bullying. And I was very severely bullied all through year six Unfortunately, I then went to the connected high school. I was bullied through year seven, through year eight. In year eight, I transferred to a private school here in Canberra and continued to get bullied there. Oh, I knew. I knew you were going to say that. Fuck. And, you know, the, the reasons that I was getting bullied were firstly, things that were outside of my control. So, you know, I had acne, so I was pizza face and, you know, I was overweight. So, you know, I was constantly called fat and, you know, but I also had short hair. So I was obviously a lesbian and, and, you know, and so I really got picked on because of that. But then it was, you know, all of the, all of the, Things that are unique to me that make me special, the type of music that I listen to, the way that I was naturally good at school. You know, I would often write an essay on the bus on the way to school in the morning and hand it in like handwritten, almost like on a serviette. And I would still get like 19 and a half out of 20. And what that means to the kids in high school is that I was obviously sleeping with my female teacher who was in her 60s. <laughs> oh my god Beck there's so much there and coming from when you 
was saying that your childhood was great, mum and dad, the upbringing, schooling up to year five was amazing, like really empowering stuff. And then that change of environments and then kids are shits, aren't they? That whole cruelty. Like I experienced bullying for different reasons. Mm -hmm. I mean, pizza face, fat, you know, kids bullied me because my mother died. Yeah, like, it's unreal. No, just it? dumb, crazy stuff. But, and it's interesting, isn't it, that that, um, even changing environments to a private school, that it still happens. And, you know, what, what are your takeaways from that? Like, what are the things that you as an adult, a nearly 40 year old, mm. can look back on that and sort of reflect? What are your takeaways from that? Mm. It makes me really sad, to be honest, and especially sad that, you know, all these years later, I'm still talking to parents who have got Mm. children that are going through similar things. Mm. Uh, I don't know what can be done about it, but something needs to be done, you know, without sort of wanting to trauma dump and tell you my whole life story. (laughs) You know, I am, I have very genuine beliefs that it was the way that I was treated in school and the way that I was bullied so relentlessly. That is part of the reason that I then ended up in an abusive relationship at 19, because, Mm. you know, I had been told for so many years how useless and worthless I was. I had been called every name under the sun. You know, I even had people, you know, when the Internet started, you know, people putting things on the Internet about me you know, in relation to my appearance or, you know, like all different things. And so by the time I got to that point at 19, when, you know, somebody showed an interest in me, yeah, you know, like I really thought that that was like, that was the best that I could do. And even through that relationship, you know, there was a sense of this is what I deserve because I've been told this. Yeah. And, you know, not just once or twice, but like every single day, all the way from year six right through to year 10. I went to a different school for year 11 and 12 here in Canberra. We've got the college system and, you know, I went back to a public college and I didn't get bullied in college, I think, because of the fact that I really just alienated myself. And I just stuck to myself. I didn't really make friends. I just hung out on my own and just tried to fly under the radar. So by the time I got to that point where, you know, I'm I'm graduating year 12, I'm ready to go out into the world and start making decisions, you know, the decision that I ended up making was I have no self-worth. You know, I am a worthless human and if I've got this other person who's expressing an interest in me whilst at the same time, you know, delivering abuse of every kind, Mm. you know, there there really wasn't that belief that I could get out of that situation or even if I did, you know, what my life would look like. Yeah. And you know what? It's so relentless, isn't it? That when you're, you're in those impressionable years Mm. And that, you know, what you believe about yourself. And it's interesting. It's almost like that fork in the road because up until yeah. you five, it was this almost this, you said a little bit of elite, you know, built, yeah. you know, you were, your self esteem was so high that uh-huh. it was just like invincible. And then coming in and hearing that relentless that you're not good, you're not worthy and all the cruel 
things that, that kids say and then that becomes a belief mm. and then then you settle for yep. what you think you're worth. And I see a lot of women that I work with, you know, similar, not different stories, but similar outcomes that they don't mm. believe in who they are and they settle for stuff less than yeah. they really truly want or deserve. How did you get out of that? Where did the bit come? Because you're now, for those of you that are listening and some of you will be following on on YouTube and seeing us, Beck has green and orange hair. And <laughs> this week, other weeks, it's bright pink or silver, wearing a beautiful, beautiful, bright coloured dress. And her backdrop is you've just painted this new, beautiful, colourful backdrop in your office. Mm. You You come across as confident and that you're comfortable in your own skin. Now, whether that's completely true or not, I'm, we'll, we'll, we'll delve a little bit deeper, but where did yeah. the change happen? Where mm. did you, so fast forward, did you end that relationship with? Yeah, I did. Yeah. So I was with him for two to three years. Yeah. And, you know, without sort of going into too much detail, there was eventually an incident where it wasn't just impacting me, it was going to impact somebody else. Yeah. And I had a lot of fear around that. And yeah. in that moment, just, I, I guess, to clarify, because I know that we'll likely talk about this later, it was an animal. And, you know, I was very, very concerned for that animal's yes. welfare, particularly yeah. based on some actions that yeah. this human had previously taken. So in that moment, all I cared about was that animal and getting that animal to safety. And for myself, you know, that was secondary. Yeah. So on the day that that happened, you know, I grabbed the animal, threw it in my car and literally left with the clothes that were on my back. I didn't even have my wallet or, wow. you know, like any of my personal belongings. I just got straight out of there. And it was then that I sort of, you know, had this realization that I can't keep doing this. You know, I, we had a lot of those sort of repeating patterns yeah. over the years and, you know, same sorts of things. And, you know, my parents and my loved ones, they were all powerless yeah. because no matter how much they told me, you know, you don't deserve this, you need to get out, he's a bad person, all of that kind of thing. Like I just wasn't able to get the message. Yeah. And on this day I left, it was very, very difficult. So at the time, you know, I was in my early 20s. I just moved straight back in with my parents and, you know, like, again, they were incredible and very, very supportive. But it was at this time, I think, that my journey really began in terms of trying to figure out who I was and trying to reconcile that all of that behaviour that I had tolerated was not appropriate and it was not acceptable and it was not what I deserved. And interestingly enough, or perhaps not, I really thought that the key for me to unlock my own self-worth was another person. Yeah, and so, <laughs> yeah, so I spent a long time really, you know, like trying to find myself a boyfriend, trying to find a relationship because I 
really felt like it was that external validation that I needed in order to be able to begin to move on and begin to value myself. And this went on for quite a few years and I was always disappointed. I never <laughs> funny I, that funny, yeah, but yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I didn't have any like serious relationships during that time, but I spent a long time looking and mm. it was just this feeling of like, I just need to find love as part of this. I can't remember exactly what year it was. I think it was 2008. My best friend, Steve, he was living up in Brisbane and he'd been going through a bit of a difficult time. And I remember just saying to my mum one day, I want to move to Brisbane and be with Steve. And mum was like, oh, okay, so what's holding you back? And I was like, well, you know, like I've got a lease. I had an apart, like gorgeous apartment in the city. You know, I had a really good job that was paying a great wage. You know, I only had to work four days a week. You know, I had all of this and mum sort of went, yeah, but if you want to go. And within a week, I'd notified my landlord that I was leaving. I had notified my boss that I was leaving. I'd started to apply for jobs up in Brisbane and I went and it was really the first time that I'd ever lived like away from my parents properly and, you know, went to Brisbane, ended up getting a job that was sort of like actually outside of my industry and again, fell into the same pattern. Like now, now that I'm not in Canberra and now that I'm in Brisbane, the, the pool of fishies is, you know, (laughs) even larger for me to try and find this person who's going to. Interesting unlock what I've been looking for. And in 2010, I was online dating and I, you know, was chatting with a few different people and I'd really gotten over the whole, like, let's talk for ages online and then meet because I found that I was meeting people and then, you know, they weren't who. You get let down when you met them. Yeah. And so I just felt like it was a waste of time. And so I just sort of, you know, I'd started just saying to people, look, like, do you want to just meet? Like, let's just meet. And my housemate at the time, she'd gone, she was on online dating as well. And she had booked herself in for a date to go out with someone for dinner. And so I was like, oh, well, if you're going out, then I better go out. So I jumped on and, you know, found someone and said, hey, like, let's just go out for dinner. And we did. We went for dinner at the coffee club in Belimba. And I went home that night and said to my housemates, I've just met the men that I'm going to marry. Oh, I've just got goosebumps now. I've got goosebumps. Yeah. And I mean, I knew immediately, you know, when I met my husband and everything happened really quickly, you know, like we moved in together pretty much straight away. And, you know, within a year, I had said, look, let's move back to Canberra to be closer to my family. And, you know, we did that. And then, you know, we went to India to go and see his family and we got engaged and, you know, bought a house and and did all of these things. Like it all happened really, really quickly. But I think the lesson for me in that was that finally I'd found what I had been looking for for all of these years. I'd found this person to love me. And still, I didn't love myself. Yeah. And it was like this penny drop moment of going, oh, okay, I actually can't rely on somebody else to fix yeah. me. Yeah. 
And that is then when the real work began. (laughs) So you'll know, like, I'm a huge advocate of therapy. I've been in therapy for years and I probably always will be. But, you know, I've also looked at other, like many, many, many different other modalities to help me heal from the trauma that I'd experienced and to work through everything that I needed to work through. And I think that doing that, but with the support of my husband, who is just the most incredible man that walks this earth, you know, I was really, again, like given the space to like reflect and introspect and take a moment to go, hang on, like, who am I and what do I stand for and what is important to me? And like, why was I put here on this earth? And through that process, I've landed here. And, you know, one of the comments that you made was, you know, that I come across as being confident, really happy with myself. It's absolutely true. You know, I, I love myself sick. Um, (laughs) Sometimes it's actually a little sickening, but you know, I'm, I'm really happy with who I am and, you know, what I've got to offer the world. And, you know, it feels really good to be in that place now. Yeah. And it's interesting, isn't it? That like the, the, stuff that Mm. went through you know some big t trauma some little t trauma and the process of you know getting that search of happiness and i'm all about happiness but Mm. it's for me it's a byproduct of living my best life i I don't search for happiness i'm about living a meaningful life and all those things you said about you know, searching for who I am and why I'm on this earth and what do I stand for and how do I want to show up. Through all of that, happiness kind of yeah. comes. But but one of the things I want to dip into there about that confidence and loving yourself sick, that doesn't mean that it's all roses and unicorns and everything's this never-ending cycle of just gloriousness. There's still some downtimes I'm assuming yeah absolutely and look I mean some of the things that I've been left with from those earlier experiences are you know in the last couple of years I've been diagnosed with complex PTSD uh, generalized anxiety disorder and you know adding those to my ADHD (laughs) has you know left me with a bag full of letters that I had to carry around but, you know, some some really interesting behavioural traits and, you know, little habits and nuances about the way that I am and about the way that I behave. And, like, it's it's definitely not all roses and unicorns. And sometimes things do get really dark. At the end of 2020, I had a very, very difficult time. I had to have my gallbladder out and that actually triggered my PTSD and I spent a whole year after that really trying to get back on my feet. One of the things that I repeatedly said after that surgery was they took my confidence 
And, you know, I really felt that, you know, they'd cut me open, they'd taken my gallbladder out and with it, they'd taken a whole bunch of other things that they weren't entitled to. And, you know, it took me a lot of time and a lot of working with expert practitioners to really start to rebuild myself after that and realise that, that is not something that could have been taken away from me, but for whatever reason, it's hiding under yeah. the the trauma that is then sort of layered on top. For now, though, you know, what I'll say is I do have the mechanisms in place. You know, I am medicated. I also, you know, see my therapist regularly yeah. and I also, you know, my energy healer and things like that. You know, I'm super open to all sorts of different modalities. The dark days now are definitely not as dark as they have been in the past. And I think now there's also a part of me that kind of reconciles that feelings are meant to be felt and that, you know, we often categorize feelings as being good or bad feelings, but that's not necessarily the case. And that sometimes when we are feeling really shitty, there's something there for us to actually look into and figure out, you know, what's going on? Why am I feeling like this? And I know that you are a huge promoter of journaling and, you know, I myself absolutely love it because it's an opportunity for me to ask myself those, you know, maybe silly questions like, why am I feeling like this today? And then really just, handing it over to my subconscious to let me know what's going on, like what's hovering around there deep under the surface. And then once we can dredge it all up, then we can do something about it. I 100% agree. And it's about recognising, because I think all too often this was my pattern, was just to not not feel the emotions yeah, and feeling it was not okay to be sad. It was not okay to be angry. Mm. And it was about just get on with life. And so what I'm doing is denying all those emotions. And I kind of equate it to like a, you know, those blow up beach balls that if you push yeah. them under the water, you've got to put pressure to hold them down. Yeah. And when you let them go, they fucking shoot up. Yeah. Like you don't know where they're going to go. <laughs> emotions are like that. If you're trying to push them down, it's about recognizing them and it's not good or bad it's just the you know we're we're putting meaning on it to say Mm. it's not okay to feel this but for me it's about when we have an emotion it's like oh that's interesting yeah why am I feeling this and for me it's also about it's about bringing that part forward to be healed if it needs to be sometimes it just needs to be recognized and Mm. sometimes it needs to be just sat in and allow yourself to feel like a misery guts but not for too long. Like mm. there needs to become a, a point where we just go, okay, enough of this misery guts and let's just, who do I want to be and how can I show up as that person? So it is about recognising the emotions and also what you were saying there about having the tools and the support to help you navigate because yeah. it's hard to do. Some of it's hard to do on your own. You know, I go to different people for different things and because a lot of it, I don't have the tools and resources because yeah. I'm part of it. I need yeah. someone's external eyes to, to have a shining in on what's happening. Mm. Um, One of the tools that my therapist uses with me is called integrated family systems. Yeah. And, you know, I, I really enjoy that approach. Although, I mean, sometimes it's incredibly difficult. 
but it is actually like naming those different yeah. emotions and going in and talking to them yes. and yes. saying like, you know, why are you here? Yeah. You know, how old do you think I am? Like, what do you think I'm experiencing? What is your role here? And yeah. then being almost able to like reassure some of those parts that, hey, I'm actually okay. Like I am 39 now and I'm not still in that place. And, yeah. you know, I appreciate you, but I don't really need you to protect me in this way. And I think that work is, you know, incredibly revolutionary and, you know, has really helped me to uncover some of the things that have been going on, not just in my personal life either, but also in business. Yeah, it's the same. And one of the things that I've been working with recently is my gammy eye that I've got. Mm. And I've put, I've covered it up with makeup at the moment, but I found out it's a cyst on my eye. Oh, wow. And possibly, possibly might need surgery. But anyway, I've been doing some real work with what is it here for? And it could be, it could be like a bacterial infection, you know, Mm. absolutely. That could be the place. But I also, talk to that part of my body and what is it that I need to know Mm. and what's been coming forward for me is about being under pressure and fear pressure and I was doing some study this morning and the bit that I was studying it was about pressure energy centers and that word pressure just jumped out off the page and said this is your eye you're under pressure and it was about emotional pressure Mm. so that just gave me some more clues so I will absolutely work with the mainstream doctors but I'll also do a lot of work around the metaphysical and the emotional for me it's about that combination and when you're Mm. talking about therapists healers medication to me it's all part of the team yeah be the best and I don't have any judgment about any any of that but it's about getting support where you need support Mm. I want to dive I'm going to take this slightly differently because one of the things I did want to ask you about and we're fur mamas we we have a quite often when we're coaching online There's a competition of snoring and it's That's not right. between Beck and I, but it's between the dogs in the background <laughs> um, whose dog does the loudest snoring. So, Beck, I know and I possibly get a sense now that I didn't know why, mm-hmm. but you are a rescuer of pups with special needs. Tell me more about that. Yeah. So as soon as my husband and I bought our house, we yeah. knew that we wanted to get a dog. Yeah. And we went to the RSPCA and we found a beautiful girl who was an inspector dog. She'd actually been taken by the RSPCA away from her owner because of the fact that she'd been abused and she was incredibly malnourished, you know, almost a skeleton. It was really like a very, very horrific situation. We like weren't necessarily looking for a dog of her breed or you know I think even at the time weren't necessarily looking for a dog with like you know problems but we met her we fell in love with her and we brought her home and after that uh, so her name was Backup she was named after the dog on Veronica Mars because Veronica Mars is a private detective wherever (laughs) she goes she always takes Backup And then we got back up a friend who was Jasper. Jasper was a black dog who'd been at the RSPCA for, I think, nearly a year. Nothing necessarily wrong with him. He'd been, you know, neglected, but um, people don't like black dogs. 
And yeah, apparently we found out they call it black dog syndrome and that they are like so many percent less likely to be adopted because people have got this sort of preconceived idea about like black dogs being scary or evil or, you know, whatever. We had a brilliant time with Backup and Jasper. Unfortunately, they have both passed away, Jasper most recently. But, you know, over the years while we had them, you know, we also adopted some bearded dragons. And by this stage, we saw our pattern. We knew what we were up to. <laughs> so when my husband said, let's get a bearded dragon and we went over to the reptile shop, you know, they bring out this big bucket and it's got all the babies in it. And you sort of can go through and watch the way that they're interacting with each other and then pick the one that you want. And I'll never forget that at that moment, he was looking in the bucket and then he looked at the lady and said, where are the ones that nobody wants? Like these, these are, these all, they're all too perfect. You know, don't you have any like, you know, others? And then she brought out another smaller tub with a few little babies in there. And he selected our job job who was missing a foot and half of his tail. And, you know, again, like we had a wonderful time with Job Job. Unfortunately, he uh, had a neurological disorder and passed away. And, you know, since then, we've had a number of bearded dragons come into our lives. And, you know, I've often found the ones that have got very rare disorders. Our last bearded dragon that passed away, her name was Lucky Lemon, and she actually had leukemia. Mm -hmm. which is like apparently the most ridiculously rare thing for bearded dragons to get leukemia, that there are doctors out there that have written papers on, you know, the rarity of it. But now we have got two beautiful dogs that we adopted through Life of Pikelet. They are a rescue organisation in Victoria that particularly specialise in rescuing dogs and other animals with neonatal birth defects. So we originally adopted Pudgy Pie. So she's a little over a year old. She's an XL American bully, although she was hand-reared from birth. So she'll never be quite as big as the traditional XL bully, but she has got a bilateral cleft lip and that causes her no health issues whatsoever. It means that she looks a little bit funny, but she doesn't require surgery or, you know, any other different treatment. But unfortunately, dogs like Pudge are often euthanized. Yeah, because they're nobody. yeah. Yeah. And, you know, there aren't a lot of vets or, you know, other medical professionals or even rescuers in Australia that are sort of equipped to deal with pups that have got defects like this. So, yeah, usually they just get put to sleep, whereas Callie from Life of Pikelet is one of four incredible rescuers here in Australia that actually, you know, work to rehabilitate these dogs and get them any medical support that they need. So Pudgy's a very, very sensitive girl, but she's working with an incredible trainer at the moment to build her confidence. And since we've had Pudgy Pie, we also adopted Sassy. Now, Sassy is a British bulldog. She is about seven, eight months old and definitely in naughty puppy stage. I did say to my husband earlier, like, is she hungry or is she just an asshole? Because she is putting everything in her mouth that she possibly can. But she has got a grade three, four heart murmur. 
And so, you know, fortunately she was reared off her mother and so, you know, she'll grow to full size and all of that. She's a beautiful dog, you know, looking at her from the outside, you would never assume that yeah. there was, you know, anything wrong with her at all. But because she had that heart murmur, she sort of doesn't meet the cut. And so she went in rescue. But she was there for two days, I think, because we saw the photo of her. <laughs> I remember that because I've got, we, we, we adopted Boston. So he's a Kerry Blue Terrier. He's black. So I'm wondering if that's part of the reason. Yeah. It, it, he was very, very anxious and we did a lot of work with a trainer for him and he's come good. We've just had him for a year and he's absolutely beautiful. And we've got my daughter's British bulldog, Mabel. She's the snorer in the yeah. back. And I've locked her out today. Whenever I do a podcast, it's like, <laughs> can't be in here, Mabel, because you just snore so loud. And our beautiful energy healer, Sarah Jensen, has been doing some energy work with Boston. And I have to get back to her, but she has unleashed an adolescent, I wouldn't say a monster, but he is pushing the boundaries of a dog that has been very, very anxious. And it's been beautiful to see him feeling more confident, but he's pushing those boundaries. Like you talk about toddler I've got teenager that is just like don't tell me what to do I'm yeah. doing my own stuff so anyway that's beautiful it's all in um, good fun though isn't it it's and all in I, good um, fun. Yeah. I should just mention as well I, I do also have the two bearded dragons so we have got one eastern and one central one of them is called skittles and <laughs> the other is simon so oh, it would be remiss of me not to mention not them. To I paid the, for them to listen to the podcast. Yes, <laughs> they've missed been out. Forgotten. What do I call them? Like fur, the dogs are fur babies. What are the bearded dragons? Are they spiky babies? Or um, so my best friend calls them scale babies. Scale babies. Um, yeah. But he has also just recently had a well, recently a couple of years ago had a human child, and oh. he said to me, "It's so funny how everyone talks about." fur babies so he said I'm going to start calling my kid a skin puppy skin and puppy. see what other people think what of people that yeah so interesting. he's got one, one fur baby and one skin puppy yeah. <laughs> yeah I want to talk to you about your business businesses and what you're doing with this amazing conference so you started you've got pop your business and pop your career tell me about those businesses where how yeah. long have you been in business for Sure. So I started Popular Career in 2015. My background is in HR and I spent a lot of time in recruitment. So I sort of wasn't like I'd done a lot of resume writing and selection criteria writing and stuff like that, just like on the side and really informally. But in 2015, We had not long gotten married. I decided that I was going to take the leap out of the job that I'd been in for four years and go and spend some time in the public service. And so for three years while I was in the public service, I side hustled with Popular Career, which was at the time still resume writing and selection criteria writing and then with a little bit of career coaching. So after that three-year period, I decided to go out on my own, which was really, really exciting. Uh, And it was less than 12 months after that that 
I made the decision to shut down the resume and selection criteria writing arm of the business. It was doing very well, but I just felt like it didn't really light me up anymore. And one of the things that really underpins everything that I do in business is my top value of fulfillment. And I knew that it would be quite hypocritical of me to continue doing something that I really hated when, you know, I'm I'm sort of telling everyone else that they should be looking to feel more fulfilled by their work. So that was a big jump and left me just moving into coaching. I was doing that and, you know, once I'd sort of gotten out on my own, I I had this process of like coming out from behind my brand. So prior to that and when I was working as well, I was very much hidden behind lots of cheesy stock photos and, you know, no one ever really saw me. And that was... I think as well, you know, part of my own self-love and self-acceptance journey to actually come out from behind the brand and go, hello, this is who I am. This is what I look like. You know, if you like it, great. But if you don't, that's also okay. And part of that experience was actually exhibiting at a local expo where, you know, I had very bright signs and, you know, like crazy outfit and all of this. And I noticed as people were walking past that they either had, you know, the big heart eyes where they were like, oh, my God, what's this lady doing? Or I would see their face scrunch and they'd kind of go, oh, that's too much. And I realized that, you know, being quite polarizing in that way is actually really beneficial for business because it means that I am actively magnetizing the people who I want to work with and I'm repelling the people that, you know, aren't really my vibe. So I did that. I did I was doing a lot of networking. I was meeting a lot of people, you know, especially around Canberra, but, you know, also in other states, doing speaking gigs and things like that. And what I found is that after a while, people started coming to me and saying, can you teach me how to do what you've done in your business in my business? Mm. And I was really conscious of the fact that, you know, I didn't want to just come out and say, oh, well, I'm a business coach now. I know that that happens a lot and it really didn't feel right to me. I wanted to make sure that I had some experience and some runs on the board before I sort of, you know, attached myself to any title. So I always say, like, I I started working with some business coaching clients incognito. (laughs) I was sort of doing it under the radar just when people requested. And I got the opportunity to work with some really phenomenal businesses, started to get those runs on the board. And then around the time that COVID hit, I decided that that was time for me to officially launch Popular Business and, you know, sort of come out from that closet and say, you know, this is what I'm doing. And, you know, during COVID, I started by doing a lot of different programs and, you know, like online courses and things like that across a whole different range of areas in business uh, because I really wasn't sure, you know, whether I even wanted to niche mm-hmm. and if I did where I wanted to niche. And, Look, the answer was there the whole time. It was around fulfillment. Yeah. Uh, it was really around, you know, me helping my clients in business to get that business stuff under control so that they could really focus on the work that lights them up. 
And, you know, I found that I'm quite talented when it comes to things like systems, automation, outsourcing, and also harnessing creativity. So they are really the four things that I focus on in the business. And we offer, so one-to-one coaching. I say we because I now have a team. Have a team. You know, uh, offer one-to-one coaching. We also do, you know, still some online programs, workshops, and of course, as you mentioned, the popular business conference. Yeah, I'm going to talk about that in a, in a minute. One of the things when I'm listening to you, Beck, sharing your story and about discovering who you are and really owning who you are, that was kind of replicated in your business as well. So it's mm. sort of same, same, but different process about coming out and really owning who you are. And that's what I see when, mm. when I'm with you. And that's where you've helped me to sort of get those, like I said in the intro, the bits that I find hard in my business, like the mm. front end, easy peasy for me yeah. most of the time, the back end is hard, hard stuff. So having a fresh set of eyes and and a fresh set of eyes that – you make really quick connections as well. One of the things I've loved about our coaching is the chats that we have, mm. but that's about helping me to learn the bits I need to do. You'll do some of the bits that I don't want to learn, so that's also great, yep. but it's also having that different perspective on things where mm. I've you've really helped me to with my membership last year with this podcast. This was, yes. you know, when I was talking about how do I – interview guests within my membership and you said well why are you doing that why aren't you doing a podcast and it's like Mm. oh then we talked about and I think it was up and running a couple of weeks later yeah so that came about and it's just having that fresh set of eyes and the things that you're good at in business that quite often business people are not good at they're good at their Mm. stuff but then often not good at all the behind the scenes stuff so it's interesting just the 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 process that you've been through yeah and professionally. Now tell us about the conference. This is super, super exciting. Pop your business conference and we'll have all the details, details in the show notes so people can about Beck's business, but also about the conference. Tell us about the conference. Yeah. So I love conferences. Yeah. I am extremely introverted. I often joke that I'm a bit of a hermit. I absolutely thrived during COVID. <laughs> I just got to close <laughs> the front door and stay at home. But Since I've been in business, I have really enjoyed going to conferences and meeting really inspiring people, whether they be the speakers or other members of the audience, you know, getting to know people, building connections, getting ideas, learning, looking at the different ways that things could be done. And I've been to a number of different conferences around the country and I was hearing this frustration from a lot of Canberra business owners that, you know, no one ever comes to Canberra and there aren't like there isn't really anything like that here. So for people who are in Canberra, they're always having to travel. You know, we're always having to go to Sydney or Melbourne or Brisbane, or the Gold Coast or something like that to go to a conference. So I kind of got this idea in my head that it would be really great to put Canberra on the map. We've got an incredibly, you know, diverse but also quite tight-knit business community here in Canberra. It would be a shame to not have the opportunity to really show that off to the rest of the country and to also show them what a fabulous place that Canberra can really be. So we scheduled the first conference 
and we had to move it a couple of times because of COVID, COVID yeah. but we ended up going ahead with it in October of last year, so 2022, and it was just everything that I could have ever hoped and dreamed for. It was just absolutely amazing. We had gorgeous speakers. The whole event was so high vibe. And I really got this sense that the people in the room were getting so much from it, whether that be the specific learnings that they were getting from the speakers or even just being in that energetic environment and, you know, rubbing shoulders with people who know the challenges that you're facing and, you know, also understand the wins that you are having that maybe your other friends or family members who aren't in business just don't really get. And I think it's one of the most proudest things that I've ever done in my career, pulling off that conference. But I knew that I wanted it to be an annual event. So we are holding the second annual Popular Business Conference this October, 27th and 28th of October. We've secured a new venue, which is the Macula Canberra, which is a beautiful heritage-listed building with some really great event spaces. And we have got some superb speakers, both from Canberra and also around the country. So, of course, Catherine, you are one of <laughs> our gorgeous speakers. So I believe I actually asked you at last year's conference. Yeah, yeah, yeah said, you know, will you please speak next year? But we've got some other really, really, you know, stellar people that are coming along, including Christina Carlson, who is the founder of Kiki K and also her new brand, The Dream Life Store. We've got Jade Vaughan from Hipster Mum and Small Business Growth Club. We have Anita Siak from Word Fetty, Claire Wood and her uh, recent release book, An Intentional Profit, and also Cherie Clonan, who is one of my absolute business idols. She is the CEO of The Digital Picnic. Overall, we've got, I think, now 16 or 17 speakers that we're packing into our two-day event, but we have really... I guess put more of a focus this year on having more of like a workshop opportunity so that people can learn, but they can actually start to implement while they're in the room. We definitely didn't want it to be a two-day event where we were just all sitting and being spoken at. So we got some really great feedback on this from last year that people really loved those like actionable sessions. Uh, so we're bringing back more of that this year. We also have an evening networking event, which is great because it's an opportunity for everyone to schmooze with each other, but also with our speakers. And I've got to say, you know, we're, we're working with a, a amazing group of sponsors this year as well. It's all just coming together so beautifully and At last year's conference, I made the commitment that 2023 was going to be even better than our first, and I can already tell it's shaping up to be a really, really exceptional event. Oh, gosh, Beck, I'm so, like, I'm I'm so excited for you, and I'm so excited for everybody to be part of that as well. Like, I was at the conference last year, Mm. and it was amazing, the speakers, and like you said, just being in the room listening and connecting. The big thing Mm. for me was about connecting and a number of the people that I've met there have been guests on the pod. I've got to know them and some of them have become guests on the podcast, which are awesome as well and hearing their stories. So the power of being there to focus on 
our business to be able to improve and grow and connect our businesses is awesome. And I'm like honoured to be able to speak at the conference and my little topics about getting out of your funk and getting back to being fabulous and really helping people to identify what's holding them back and what's stopping them from delivering their message out into the world because our work, the world needs to hear each mm. of our stories and each of they, the world needs each of us in business to be able to deliver our businesses. So I'm really looking forward to hosting one of those workshops to really dive deep into that as well. So the details for the conference, can you just give the dates again? It's going to be in October. 27, yep, 27 and 28th of October. And that is here in Canberra at the beautiful McCure Hotel. Yeah, so the details will be in the show notes. And if anybody wants to come, there's absolutely accommodation, so you don't need to be based in Canberra. But if you would like to receive $100 off your ticket price, use the code Catherine, C-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E, and Beck will give you 100 bucks off. Absolutely. So that's a, a bargain as well. And let me tell you, Beck is incredibly generous. I know that this is going to be even better than mm-hmm. last year and last year was fantastic. So, and some of the sneaky bits I've heard, get on board, folks, <laughs> absolutely get on board. So Beck, that brings us, oh my gosh, we could talk forever and ever we and ever. Could. So thank you so much for sharing your story and can kind of see the little connections about how the parts of your life have come together. Good luck with being 40. Thank you. I'll let you know how it goes. And 50 (laughs) and 80 and, you know, beyond. Hugs and happiness to you, Beck. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks, Catherine. And if anybody wants to, as always, sign up to the Happiness Hive newsletter, if you haven't done that already, pop to my website, which is happiness-hive.com. Scroll down to the bottom, newsletter, and we'll also have Beck's details in the newsletter, but there's tips that come out weekly just for living your best life so see you bye thank you for listening i hope you enjoyed the episode you can spread the love by sharing it with a friend so she can have a little bit of what we had today and don't forget to rate and review so we can get it into as many hearts and ears as possible you can keep the conversation going on my happiness hive socials and if you'd like some more high vibe happiness in your life Come and join me in our community of inspired and motivated women at the Happiness Lounge. This is my online membership club and your central hub for everything you will need to be truly happy and bounce out of bed every day living and loving your best and most beautiful life. To find out more, pop over to the Happiness Hive website and click on the link working with Catherine. Until next time, big hugs and happiness.